Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. All as well. I know I can't see you properly, but I'm just trying to figure out who everybody is. And, you know, it's just uh, terrific that you've come out this, um, this morning together. We don't underestimate uh, what, you've, what you've had to do to get here, which is uh, not normal for us. Uh, and some of the psychology and all of that, but I want to encourage you to come. One of our um, uh, elderly, uh, an elderly couple in our Ilkeston location, she's just turned 90, and uh, I think he's about 88, he's a couple of years behind her, and uh, they just spoke to Caroline, my wife, and said that uh, Arena's the safest place we've, we've been to in this whole lockdown period. <laughs> it's sanitized, it's clean. And I just want to say, we really do uh, hold that as a high value. We're not just doing it because we have to. We're doing it because we think it's important to keep everybody just aligned and safe. And I also want to say huge thanks to the guys who have made sure this all happened. It's been led by Christine and there's Louise. And I'll get myself in trouble because of people who, haven't, who, who I won't mention. But there's lots of people who've made it happen today. And we really do appreciate it. So we're not allowed to hoop and holler. But I wonder if we could just put our hands together uh, for them. Thank you for that and as Josh has already said the worship team you're amazing under very difficult circumstances but I felt the presence of God come close it's not about you know the the you know all the hooing and hawing and and we like all that I like all that um but you know there's just a sense where you open up your heart to God and God comes close and I pray that this word will just resonate in your heart this 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 morning you could be listening to it online but it's nice to be in the room I like that phrase we're in the room together and I really believe that God can come close to us over the next three weeks as Josh has already given a lead in we just this morning I'm going to begin the the Christmas uh, series and we're going to talk about tis the season so if you have got a notepad and pen or a mobile phone just take some thoughts down tis the season that's what we're entering into and it's the season for what well over the next few weeks we're going to be talking about today I'm going to talk about the season of goodwill Uh, Next week, Josh is going to be sharing about the season of good cheer, okay? And then on the actual um, 20th, which is the carols by candlelight, we're going to really just bring it all together of why Jesus came, God came to the earth. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic series because I honestly believe that the Christmas story has so much to show us and teach us. Now, I, you, you can be tempted as a preacher, and I've been doing this, this, this rodeo for, you know, preaching not quite 30 years, but it's not, not, not that much uh, a drift of it. And you can start to try and go somewhere where the scriptures don't take you because you want to create something new. <laughs> but I want to I wanna say that I'm gonna, we're going to preach over these next three weeks the Christmas story. And we, we, what we hope is that it will come fresh to our hearts. There's nothing new in it, but there's a freshness in which God can speak to us as we look at some of the central characters. So this morning, I'm going to take the wise men and I'm going to blow a few misconceptions out the water. And some of you may be aware of those, but some of you may not be aware of some things I'm about to, to, to share. Because I really, as I say, do believe that this Christmas story is so powerful. And, and it's beyond the cosy world of cute nativities and eggnog and reindeers I did that on the online the little reindeers and the caroling and by the way I love all of that I love the non-alcoholic eggnog 
I love, I love the caroling. I love to sing carols. I love the thought of reindeers running around and cute nativities when we had that opportunity. I love all of that. But we can often miss the, the key element, which is God coming into the world. Christ. Wow. Just for a moment. Christ. Open the curtains of heaven. And I can't do it because I'm social distancing, but, but stepped into the world, to the mess of the world, the brokenness of the world, your mess, my mess, your brokenness, my brokenness, your broken dreams. He came in and he stepped right into the world. He didn't have to, but he chose to. He came. It's a remarkable, remarkable story. It really is. And that is why there is a season that we're going to preach and declare. But as I was just thinking about seasons, it would be really remiss of me to not go somewhere just for a moment. Because what a season this has been. What a season it's been. Josh has already led us into it. March 22nd was our first online service. We've not missed a beat since. We've only been open just five or six weeks out of that. No, it's four weeks. This will be the fourth week in the whole of that season. It's been a really, really tough season. I won't go there, but just talking to somebody who's just coming in, tough season for them. You know, health-wise and family-wise, and some of you have had some things happen to you, and I've said this before, we want to get our arms around you, and we can't. We want to love you. You know, we want to show our love. Some of you have, have, have found it really difficult because you've been really isolated and felt very abandoned and very alone. And it's true what Josh has prayed into. It's all true, but it doesn't take away from that just connection, does it? That, that thought of being together. It's been really tough. But I felt the Lord say to me as I was just going through this series, and uh, I felt the Lord speak to me. It was on early hours of Tuesday morning, really early hours. And, and, and I knew it was the Lord. Because he just said to me, I want to just talk to you for a moment about seasons. And I was like, oh Lord, I want to just go to sleep. I've got a big day. He says, no, I want to just say something about seasons. You're going to be preaching the word and I want you to get this amongst the people. So I says, okay. So I began to just scribe those things down. This is what he said to me. He said, there's two things I want you to understand about seasons. Number one, you need to discern them. It talks about in 1 Chronicles 12, and I think it's verse 37, that the men of Issachar, they were a group of men out of the, the tribe of Israel who understood the times. We have to discern the season. You've got to ask the Lord to help you to discern the season that you are in. Now, you may be saying, well, we've got a vaccine and we're coming out of it. It's beyond that. There's a spiritual nature to this. You've got to discern the season. And then the second thing the Lord said to me, he says, not only you've got to discern the season, but you've got to embrace the season and he took me to Ecclesiastes and chapter 3 you know where it talks about there is a time and a season for everything under the earth there are 28 28 different seasons that Solomon accounts 28 in those short verses and the Lord said this to me he says I want you to not only I'm not not only discern but I want you to embrace the season in which you're in, without forcing your way out prematurely into the next. I, I honestly think there's a prophetic, there's a prophetic sentence there. Because we can be so desperate to get out of this season that we prematurely force our way into the next. 
And if you will do that, you will do so at your peril. Because God is wanting to teach every single one of us. And he's wanting to teach his church, Josh. We've got to really understand what worship is really all about. We've got to understand what it is to love one another. We've got to really understand what it is to be in the Word and let the Word be in us. Can I get an amen, just even a quiet one? It's true. There's a season that God is wanting to walk us through. So we've got to discern it and we've got to embrace it because it is, tis the season. So now to the thought of what I want to share around the wise men, because I honestly believe that they came with goodwill. Now, what do I mean about goodwill? Well, some of you would be saying, ah, bar humbug, you know, the Scrooge. Well, I honestly think it's important that we extend and express goodwill. What does goodwill mean? Well, it's a friendly attitude in which we wish good things happen to people. It's an extension of kindness and compassion and love and friendliness to all. Now this should not be just consigned to a few days leading up to Christmas and a few days after Christmas. This needs to be in our hearts, this season of goodwill. The thing that's really worried me and concerned me and very much upset me over this time, politically this still seems to be that we have not and we are not learning lessons no nation is. This nation's exactly the same because it seems like, and I'm apolitical, I won't get involved in it, but it seems like there are some people who are always wanting to score points politically. Yes? And there is not an extension of goodwill. I love what JFK, John F. Kennedy said, in a time of domestic crisis, this is what we're in, Men of goodwill and generosity, generosity should be able to unite regardless of party or politics. Wow. Now that's in essence the message of the gospel. Because what we're endeavouring to do, we're not concerned whether you're Labour or whether you're Conservative or whether you follow the American elections and you're a Republican or a Democrat. The reality is we are here today and we want to extend goodwill to all men and to all women. We want to extend compassion, love and kindness to one another and to our world. I love movies of goodwill. Talking about movies, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie New Year's Eve. Anybody seen it? I, I love it. You have to watch, be careful with movies. I always check the trailer before we go in there to just make sure that it's okay. Because sometimes it says a 12, but you're having to do this or do this, yes? And thankfully, this movie, I didn't have to do either. It was a very, very good movie. And I love movies of goodwill. I also love stories of goodwill. I was um, in our campus, in, in our ham, uh, hub campus, just a, a few weeks ago. And... Um, uh, just, just before we went into the second lockdown, I preached the message and it was God. There'd be about, I don't know, 15, 18 people in the, in the location. And there was a guy who, at the end, well, he shouted out in the middle of the service. And I think Lisa, our campus pastor, would say, well, we'll talk to you at the end. And then, as we said, our amen at the end, he shouts straight away, Oi, Lisa, I want to see you. And um, if you've ever met Lisa, she's, she's only five foot nothing, but you, you won't want to mess with her. And uh, she says, I will see you in a minute. 
So he got the message. But anyway, as I'm walking by, I thought, I'll leave him to it, this Barney. If there's a Barney to go on, I'll let him have it. As I walked by, he went, Oi, you'll do. So I thought, here we go. Well, he were a big fella. He were a big unit. And he just started to unpack his story. It was remarkable. He told me his bleak story, sad story, true story. We've had it verified. We are being recorded, but I'll be a little, a little careful. He lived in another country, English-speaking country, and uh, built a great business. 58 people working for him. He came home one night from, from the pub, his words, to find that his wife had been raped by one of his friends. So he took revenge and murdered this man. As a result of that, he lost his business and he was sent to prison. His family was completely broken down. I think there was two children involved. Of course, it wrecked them massively. Whilst he was in prison, his wife died. And I think, I think, he, he did, I'm just recollecting this piece of detail, so I want to be careful not to embellish the story. But I think there was some drugs then involved with his children. So you can imagine it just, it just disintegrated into nothing. He was on release of, from the prison, of course, they wouldn't allow him in the country, so they sent him back to the UK, and he was from Ilkeston. And he came back to Ilkeston, and he was penniless, and he was broken. And he came into the town, and he didn't know where to go, or what to do. And as he was got begun to talk to somebody, they said to him, you need to go and see Ilkeston. You need to go and see Arena Church in Ilkeston. They'll help you. Guys, that's huge. Out of all the places they could have sent him to, they said, go to Arena Church. They'll help you. So as he came down, I don't know who it was who served him, but they gave him clothes and they gave him food and they fed him and they allowed him to make calls and to use the phone and they did what they needed to do. The story then rolled on. He says, and that was a little while ago. He says, I'm now back. I'm now doing okay. Things are a lot better with tears in his eyes, he's just telling me this story. He says, but I want to know what I can do for you. I want to bless you. He didn't use that language. Bless you as you bless me. And I've collected a whole load of food and I want to donate it to the uh, uh, food bank. Is that okay? This, why am I telling you this story? This is a goodwill story. This is a season of goodwill. This is goodwill that was extended to him and then him wanting to extend it to his world. And that is what we're talking about. The Christmas story is built around a season of goodwill. How can we serve? How can we bless others? Now, when I look at the wise men, and if you're just turning your Bibles to Matthew in chapter 2, and we're just going to break some things down, and then I just want to land two particular points. And I really want to move at pace now because of time. But he reads there in verse 1 of Matthew 2. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that was born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east. And I've come to worship him. Now, before we move on to the following verses, I just want to say a few things. And this is to break a few misconceptions. The historical record of the coming of the wise men was at the time of Herod the king. We'll come on to him in a moment. Now, many people believe that this was the same time as the visitation with the shepherds. It wasn't. 
It was probably six months to 18 months after that. Because we see that the wise men later will see how they arrived and what they arrived to. We also need to note that Herod was a very evil king. He was snake-like. He had no desire to worship the Messiah as he said. He wanted to kill the Messiah. But as I delved into this passage, I thought, well, where did the wise men get the information about the significance of the star? Because they said, we've seen the star in the east and we've come to worship him. Well, some people have said they were superstitious people. They were men of superstition. They weren't. The wise men, this indicated a high rank in officialdom. They were equivalent to the secretary of state or a prime minister. And they were students of the stars. And they knew a great deal about them. They also, I believe, would have, and commentators say, they would have understood Bible prophecy. Because you must understand that the coming of the Messiah was not just something that just happened. It had been announced over hundreds and thousands of years previously. There are many accounts in the Old Testament where it talks about the coming of the Messiah into Bethlehem. It's remarkable. And they would have known it because they were learned and wise men. They also, at that time, would have been very much swayed and influenced by the teachings and prophecies of Daniel. And Daniel understood the exact time when Christ was to be born and they knew that it would be announced with a star. You see, there's no use trying to explain the star on a natural basis. Some people have tried it. The nature of the star makes it very clear that this was another supernatural occurrence orchestrated by God. Why have I said this? Because I honestly believe that God uses supernatural occurrences to get our attention all the time. The reality is we're often not looking and we're not listening to what he's trying to say to us. It's equivalent to God doing this to us, trying to get our attention. And we just cannot see it. Have you ever been in a crowd of people like this? And you can see the person you're trying to wave to, but they're oblivious. And you think you're waving like this. Anybody ever done this? Give me a wave. You're doing this. You're trying to do this. You're star jumping. And they still can't see you. It's usually Caroline. I'm getting very frustrated. Thinking, Why can't she see me? I mean, come on. <laughs> and God does this with us. He does it to get our attention. And the other thing I want to note as well is that people have often said, well, there were three wise men. Well, that is not the case. I think some of you know this. It's not the case, guys. It doesn't say three wise men. I actually think, personally, there were probably scores of them. And the reason why I believe that is because it talks about they caused a stir when they went into Jerusalem. Do you think three guys on a camel even with the luggage of camel and with servants would have caused a stir, a stir in a cosmopolitan city of that day? The answer is no. But literally scores of wise men with huge amounts of camels laden with gods, that would have caused a stir. My honestly opinion is this. They knew that the star was there. They saw the significance of it and they sent word around one another. They agreed to meet on a particular time and they said, right, we're going to Jerusalem. And from there, we'll be able to find our way. So if you've had this misconception of this story, you've got to read deeper into it. Let's read on, shall we? Verse 3. And then it goes on to say, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where, where the Messiah was to be born. And they replied in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. You see, they understood it. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What a wonderful verse. Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi, the wise men, secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I, may, I too may go and worship him. What a lie that was. He didn't go to worship him. He wanted to murder him. And they knew at this particular point where they needed to go. Now the wise men did go to Bethlehem and the star led them to the exact place. But when they arrived in Bethlehem, there's another misconception, popular misconception. They found Jesus' family, but not in a stable. Because you've got to read the text. Again, you may have seen the cards and the pageants. And even on our nativity scene, we've shown it as that. And we understand why. I'm not trying to make a point bigger than it is. I'm just trying to help you. And we often see that they're there at the same time. But as I've said, the wise men came a long time afterwards. Because it says in verse 11. Have you got it? Is it on the screen? On coming to the house. On coming to the house. It doesn't say on coming to the manger. It doesn't say on coming to the stable. It doesn't say on coming to the inn. It says on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down. And they worshipped him. And then it goes on to say. And then they opened their treasures. And presented him with gifts of gold. Frankincense and myrrh. Now this was very typical of Eastern culture. And even to this day. They will bring a gift. It's part of what they do. And we understand the power of a gift. Somebody was telling me that they actually uh, took a, a Chinese family's dedication. And they presented the pastor with a gift. With a gift. It was what they do. They just presented a gift. Talking of gifts, Andy's given me a beautiful uh, Christmas gift this morning. I've got a vinyl Amy Grant uh, Christmas season uh, thing. That may mean nothing to you, but oh my goodness. Andy and I were of that generation. Amy Grant was a bit of a girl. And I'm looking forward to it. A Christian lady, but I'm really looking forward to, to to listening to it. It'll be absolutely great. It really will. So they came with gifts, these wise men. They came with gifts and they brought gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gold is for the gift of kings as is frankincense, but why myrrh? I want to make this point. It's very important. Myrrh was used as a perfume for embalming. So even in his death, sorry, even in his birth, his death is there. He was born to die. And they brought gifts from their hearts and their resources And they extended goodwill to this family. But there's two things I want us to understand that they came with as we draw it to a close. First of all, these wise men came with worship. They simply came with worship. Let me read verse 11 again slowly. It says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. Now certainly this would have been an appropriate time for the wise men to worship Mary. 
if God had intended that she should be worshipped. Some of you have been taught that Mary should be worshipped. Let's look at this verse, shall we? If you've, if you've been part of that um, you know, religious you know, ritual and, and uh, theology, then surely this is a time for her to have been worshipped. But note there, she was in the house with Jesus, but the scripture says, notice, they fell down and they worshipped him, not her and not them. These wise men knew the one who they should worship. And his name is Jesus. And upon knowing the Savior, they didn't hesitate, but they fell down in worship. Now, this would be a bit strange. Let's say Olive, you know, you know a toddler, baby in arms. Wouldn't it be strange for a grown man to be bowed down and worshiping a baby? You'd look on and think, this is strange. But they understood the significance of the babe. They understood the significance of the toddler. They understood that even though they were small, they were, they were destined to be God to the world. They knew the one who they were coming to. I was reminded as I was preparing this, I love this hymn, this carol, in the bleak midwinter. It says the last verse, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. And these wise men, they came with worship and they bowed down to the baby. They knew that this babe was the one who had the words of eternal life. They knew in that moment that he was the way, the truth and the life. They knew in that moment that God's great love that they saw for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In that moment they knew, they knew who the one, the one they were worshipping. And I would encourage you as we enter this Christmas season to just take that thought of come with worship, they bowed down and they worshipped God from their hearts. But secondly, they came with gifts. They came with gifts. It says, verse 11, Then they, after worshipping, they then came and gave and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And by the way, it wasn't just a piddly little treasure chest that they brought. I believe there were huge luggage, there were luggages loaded, laden onto the camels as they just poured out the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh. Again, some commentators say that this great hall of treasure that was poured out upon Jesus and then subsequently blessed Joseph and Mary was the very resource that they needed when they were in the exodus of Egypt. God took care of them in that moment because they knew that they would have to flee to a foreign land. I love that thought. You see, even in that, God was preparing. God will always provide a way. Can I get an amen? God will always provide resource for his people. We have seen it time and time again. We can't go into great um, you know, uh, uh, dialogue, but Andy and Nathan both know, both sit on the board. We were up against it, weren't we, in terms of resource. And Josh would be aware of this as well. But God always meets the needs of his church. Always, always makes a way. And often he comes at midnight. He, some people say he comes at the 11th hour. I say, well, thank God for the 11th hour. In my mind, he always comes at midnight. 
It leads me just to the, anybody else know what I'm talking about? Just to the final, you know, come on God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But he always, always, always makes a way. Always makes a way. And these wise men were the way for this family. And they came and gave their gifts. You see, worship precedes giving. You can't be a worshipper without being a giver. Some people get really hung up on the thought of giving because they've been abused by people in the past demanding to give and it's been from a wrong motive, wrong attitude or people have been brought up to live incredibly frugal lives and not share it with others. There's lots of reasons why people can struggle with giving the thought of giving into the life of the church and I often will say to people one thing, if you're struggling with giving, immerse yourself in worship because the more you worship God, the more your heart will open to give. Because I honestly believe the worship precedes giving. As I worship God with all of my heart, as I bring songs of adoration and praise, as I fall on my knees and I worship Him, I can't help myself but give to Him. Giving is not that I have to, got to. For me, worship is I get to. Oh, I get to. And these wise men came with gifts. They opened up their treasure chests. Yes, they were extremely wealthy, but they presented a great sum of money. You know, to a rich man, a thousand pounds is nothing. Even 10,000, a hundred thousand might squeeze a bit more and certainly a million pounds. That's when you know you're giving your best. And these men gave their very, very best to God. Now, let me just say, there's a few things that we need to understand from this. Because what is the application to us? What is our response? Because some of you may say, well, I haven't got great treasure. I haven't got great resource. I haven't got a great voice of worship. What can I offer him? Well, this is what I want to encourage you in. Wherever you are, just give of your worship and give of your very best to God. As we really draw it now, drive it right down to a close, our response is this, that I think the wise men have, teach, have taught me from these verses. It says in Romans 12 and verse 1 through to 2, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. I want you to take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and I want you to place it before God as an offering as worship. Can I encourage you, each and every one of me, just look at me for a moment. I want to look into the whites of your eyes. This is your worship. Offer to God your everyday life, your everyday living. You're walking around, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, wherever it is, and offer it to God as an offering. Come with God with your worship of your life. And secondly, our response should be like the wise men, that we give of true worship. We give of our true selves to God. We give the very best gift that we can give. And some of you have very little resource. So you may say, well, what can I give? I want to tell you, just give of yourself. Give of yourself. I was reading again from Psalm 51 and verse 16 to 17. And this is what it says in the, in the, in the scriptures. Um, it says there, 
that David was, was, was uh, writing his uh, prayer before God, a song before God. And he says this, God going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered, heart shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. David in that moment was saying, the very best I can give you God is my authentic real self. No masquerades, no masks, no fake, just honest abandonment that I give to you and I give to the world. He was saying in this moment, yes, I may have all the palace and all the riches, but it means nothing to you. That doesn't impress you. I'm just going to give of myself to you. And that is the best gift that we can offer the world. That is the best gift that we can offer God. Just coming with truthfulness and honesty before him I honestly believe if we will come with our worship and we will come with ourselves and we will give of what we do have and not withhold it and extend it to others it will become a season and we will enter into a season a life of goodwill I love what Paul says he puts it this way these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love. Can I say the wise men? Oh my goodness, there's a lot we can learn from these wise, astute, intelligent, cultured men. They simply came with two things. They came with worship to the Saviour and they came and gave of their very best to the Saviour. Can we do that this Christmas time? Can we do that into 2021? Because if we do, as we walk into live, more in-person services, and it is coming, guys, we will be back. We will be back amongst us. We'll be thronged again. But let's remember this message that we're always going to come with worship. We're going to give our best worship to God. We're going to live out our lives in this world. And we're going to give of our best gifts to God. I want to say to you, if we'll do that, we will get the smile of heaven upon our lives. I wonder if we'd bow our heads in prayer. Time's gone. Father, thank you today for the opportunity of gathering. It's lovely to be together. It's lovely to worship together. It's lovely to pray together. It's great to be in the room. It's great to be in the room and feel the the atmosphere of the room. Lord, teach us from this wonderful story, this Christmas story. May we extend goodwill to all men and women. May we extend forgiveness and kindness and compassion to all. May we remember always to come with worship to you. Worship to you. Lord, may we always give of our very best to you. May we offer what we have in our lives to you. Never holding anything back. Never holding something too tightly. Releasing it to you. In Jesus' name, I pray that this campus would be marked by worship. I pray that this campus would be marked by a generosity that even at times causes us to be embarrassed (laughs) because there's so much outpouring. Lord, may we never have to cajole. May we never have, have to force. Maybe just genuinely from our hearts like these wise men. In Jesus' name. While every eye is closed, just very quickly, if you 
They're saying today, Christian, I want to know this Saviour more in my life. I know I know many of you, but if you're saying, Lord, I would just want to know this Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. I want to live for him. Just raise your hand where you are. If you're in need of prayer, raise your hand where you are. I just want to pray for you. Father, Lord, needs around the, the campus. People reaching out to you. People reaching out in genuine faith to you. I pray, God, that you would hear the cries of their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you'd intervene in situations. I pray, God, that the suddenness of God would be announced in their lives. I pray, Lord, that faith would arise in their hearts. I pray, Lord, that peace would flow in their minds and their spirits. They would trust you whatever they're going through. In Jesus' name, make a way, Lord, where there seems to be no way. Make a way, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. And Lord, as we enter this Christmas season, may it be truly filled with joy, even in the midst of masks and restrictions. May it still be filled with peace, joy and love as we announce Christ has come into the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said together, Amen, Amen, Amen.